You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everyone and happy, happy Friday to you. This is Al Melchior, your host for the hour and you listening to fan rag fantasy baseball my host or i should say i'm your host but my guest today is uh matt modica of ctm baseball and uh he'll be joining us uh now every uh show pretty much i say we've got so much news to cover but it's actually a little bit of a slow news day so that should give matt and i a chance to open up on uh some other topics so matt welcome to the show hey uh al thanks for having me happy good friday to you yeah, yeah, and no, enjoying it. Uh, got a little bit of day baseball going on. We'll check in on that as well, uh, probably a little later this segment, and certainly at some point during the show. But uh, yeah, Matt, it does feel like it's a little bit of a light news day, but let's let's get to it anyway. Um, Josh Donaldson, it, it appears, will be headed to the disabled list with a, a reaggravation of his calf injury. So uh, not very good news there for. Donaldson owners who thought that uh, they had him back for good. Uh, John Gray, uh, he's dealing with a toe injury, and he is going to get x-rays. And then some news that broke just a little bit before the start of this show. Um, the Reds are promoting one of their top prospects, outfielder Jesse Winker. Now, Winker is not in the starting lineup today, um, and it does seem a, a bit odd because Scott Shebler is not in the lineup either. We've got Patrick Kivlihan starting at uh, in right field but uh, matt what are your expectations for winker do you think he's going to be up for a while is this a stopgap uh, measure and uh if whatever he is up for a while what do you expect from him well i thought the reds would hold off a little bit longer before they brought him up now that he's up i would assume he's going to play like you said he's one of their top prospects the only thing as far as fantasy goes i don't really know how much of a fantasy asset he is I think his strong suit is his plate discipline. He, he's a hitter. He can hit for average. That's going to be his game. I'm not really sure how the power is going to play. He's not a speed guy. I mean, the park is a favorable park, but I'm a, I think he is a very good possibly major leaguer suspect on the fantasy side. Yeah, I think all that is right, and and for me that's disappointing because uh, earlier in his career he looked like he was going to be a power guy, and he'd have that really nice combination of of some home run power with not only the high average but the high OBP. So in some formats, you know, with that combination, uh, an OBP format or or a points format, uh, there's you know there would have been some real uh, appeal there for Jesse Winker. But the last couple of seasons, he sort of looks like the third base answer to Josh Bell. I don't know if you feel like that's a fair comparison. but Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah. I think that's kind of good. I mean, I saw him two years ago at the Arizona Fall League, and him and Eddie Rosario really impressed me. And like in those 50-round uh, draft and holds, I pretty much took Jesse Winker and Eddie Rosario like late in, in, in those formats. Rosario came up, but Jesse Winker never, never did. And now I think the, uh, it's not as exciting as I once thought. Yeah, I'm with you. We got, uh, we have a few 
Twitter questions. We'll be saving most of them for later, but we got one from Atherogue Button who wants to know what percentage of fab would we be comfortable spending on Winker? So we've already kind of thrown some cold water on him, but uh, what what percentage would you be willing to spend? Let's let's make this um, 12-team mixed. You know what? I'm really not going to spend a lot of money. In a $100 fab league, a couple of dollars. I mean, I just – I think – what is he going to give you? Average, maybe? I, I, I don't really see yeah. much else. So it's not somebody that I'm really excited for. Yeah, well, in, in a 12-team mix format, I'm going to go lower than you. I'm going to say I'm not going to bid on, on Winker. <laughs> uh, in 15-team mixed, I'd go uh, maybe 3% at most. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you. That's probably the most. I just think I think there's other guys out there still. I know in a 15-team, that's the format I generally play in. It's pretty slim pickings, but there's at least some guys that could at least offer some uh, power. And there's some other names I'm a little more intrigued with this weekend coming up for Sunday night, like a Trey Mancini possibly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and no, I like him, him a lot too. And uh, I think next week looks like it should be a good week for Mancini if he stays in lineup, and he's been in lineup now four days straight. So uh, that's a good name to toss out there. Uh, let's get, get back to the news. Uh, Brandon Crawford has uh, missed some time recently, and it was reported yesterday uh, he has been missing time due to the loss of his sister-in-law. So our condolences go out to uh, Brandon Crawford and his family, uh, but no word on when he will be returning back to the Giants lineup. Uh, in injury news, uh, Malik Smith is going to the disabled list with a hamstring injury. This may just slightly expedite the loss of Malik Smith uh to fantasy owners because uh, probably his days are going to be numbered anyway with the uh, imminent return of Colby Rasmus. Uh, but longer term, Matt, uh, you know, Smith obviously can contribute to steals. How much value do you think he has in, in roto formats and, and what kind of playing time do you see uh, once he gets back from the DL? I think at some point the playing time should be there for him. Uh, he's a young player. The speed is basically what you want from him. The speed is what he will deliver. The, the guy is super fast. So he's a guy that, even though he's going on the DL, I know they got Kobe Rasmus expected to come off sh- uh, shortly. They acquired Peter Bolgers. So it's a little bit of a crowded outfield there. But, I mean, Malik Smith's the guy they got via trade and the guy that's going to be their future. So he's a guy that, you know, I either stash on the DL or have on the watch list, and as he's getting healthy and coming back, I'm going to be aggressive, scoop him up for some cheap speed. Yep, that makes, makes sense to me, too. You just, you know, and again, you know, the, there are guys you know, like in the past, Gerard Dyson, who with 253 underplayed appearances could help you a lot with steals. And I, I see Malik Smith having that kind of potential. Yeah, that's a really good comp. Uh, that's a really good comp that you just ah, put there. Thank you. It's, and if you're a Malik Smith owner, you're, you're happy to hear that, too. <laughs> uh, good news also for Sonny Gray. He is set to pitch a simulated game on Monday, so he's working towards a potential return later this month. And like I said, pretty slow news day. I'd say the only other item I saw, again, I saw this just right before coming on air here, the Marlins are finally calling up a lefty reliever. I think that the um, – the fantasy implications of this, of this are very, very small and very indirect. But uh, given the strategy that the Marlins have taken this year with building this you know, super bullpen uh, and so far generally pulling their starters pretty early, sometimes because of bad performance, but I think also just because they're relying on uh, that bullpen that they've assembled, 
but they didn't have a single lefty. And I, I think that that was something that has hurt the Marlins so far. Uh, like the other night when they lost the Braves and they brought in Junichi Tozawa to face under uh, Nciarte and Freddie Freeman and didn't go well. Um, so now they're bringing up uh, prospect Harlan Garcia, uh, left-hander. So I uh, don't know how long that's going to last, but again, could be maybe some spillover effects in terms of the starters' abilities to, to nail down a win. So other than that, I think uh, that pretty much wraps up the news for now. Let's, uh, Matt, go uh, check in on what's going on with the weather and the lineups. And there's only one game right now that appears to be in any sort of danger of a delay or cancellation due to weather, and that is the White Sox at the Twins uh, target field. There's currently a uh, 56% chance of precipitation uh, with it peaking more towards the later hours of that game. In fact, uh, if it were delayed, that the chance of precipitation actually goes up uh, the later it gets at night. So 11 o'clock midnight, it actually goes up to 65, 75%. So that's one that might be in, in danger. Um, and I, I, I do hope that that one does happen because a couple of pitchers that I'm very interested there. And of course, Matt, on your site, uh, you've got the starting pitcher index. So I'm interested in your opinion on the two uh, starters scheduled for that game. Uh, Adalberto Mejia for the Twins, who we've already seen once this year, and making his major league debut, the Rule Five pick, Dylan Covey. So uh, I know that these are pretty much deep league talents, but do you think there's there's more in store for either of these two? That I'm not sure. Mejia had a very good spring training. I actually uh, took him in the re- the last pick of my reserve round in American League uh, uh, only league, and. I want to see what happens. I mean, like I said, I was a, I was a little encouraged by the spring training, but as we all know, spring training can be fool's gold. Cubby, a Rule 5 pick, is going to get an opportunity. I mean, the White Sox are uh, in need of arms. So I, this is more of a game that is I want to see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be more of like scouting it out more than anything. I mean, maybe in like a DFS kind of thing, you're going you're gonna, to – you're going to stack guys against these pitchers. But I, I am curious to see how both perform. Well, if this game were uh, at U.S. Cellular Field, no, sorry, it's not U.S. Cellular Field anymore, Guaranteed Rate Field, I believe it's called. Yes. The Thank park you. in Chicago, Comiskey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Comiskey. If it were there, I think stacking against Mejia wouldn't be a bad idea because he's a fly ball pitcher. Uh, that's a very good home run park. Uh, you know, in terms of the, the lineup, I mean, beyond Abreu and Todd Frazier. Uh, I don't know that there's any big-time home run threats, although we're going to talk about Avisal Garcia a little bit later on. I suppose Matt Davidson maybe be a, 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 some cheap power. But uh, Kobe, I think, is interesting because he's really been an extreme ground ball pitcher in the minor leagues and somebody you know who's very unheralded and, and again, Rule 5 pick, so they're typically unheralded. But you know maybe he's this year's... Uh, I'm trying to get the the pitcher most recently that made a splash as a Rule Five uh, in a long time ago, Johan Santana. But you know maybe this year's <laughs> Dan Ugler or Odubel Herrera, somebody who uh, is almost completely under the radar, who may have a chance to to succeed. But like you said, it's a game where we can scout him out and scout Mejia out and see how that all that uh, plays out. Uh, let's take a quick look, uh, Matt, at what's going on. We've just got uh, one game in progress right now. And that's the Pirates and the Cubs. You got the matchup there between Garrett Cole and Kyle Hendricks. And actually, so far, it's Cole that's got the upper hand. The Pirates 
leading one to nothing. Uh, and we've got, uh, let's see, an RBI double from David Freeze against a right-hander, no less. Yeah, David so Freeze like is off to a scorching start. <laughs> yeah, bat, batting 409 and, you know, always love them against lefties, but seems to be just doing it all, all around uh, all around this year. So nice start there for, uh, for David Gregory Freeze. Polanco, so you know, stole his fourth base today. Now that's that's good. Yeah, we talked about Polanco on the show the other day, more in regard to the power and whether or not he uh, – has a chance maybe to even improve more on the power. He had a big breakout last year. What do you, Matt, what do you see for Polanco this year in terms of the across-the-categories mix? Well, he's a guy that I really liked, and I was really looking forward to getting aggressive with him. I thought maybe next year he's a guy that we would see, you know, top three rounds, possibly, you know, middle second, end of the second. The thing that scared me off a little at the end, I did still draft him in certain places, was the uh, news of the shoulder, uh, shoulder injury. And it's mm-hmm. something he's had in the past, so that was a little frightening. But hopefully he remains healthy. And I can see like a 25-25 from him. Yeah, I, you know, I think that probably is the ceiling, but, you know, that, that's a great ceiling for just about anybody. <laughs> so, and I don't think there's too many people, uh, you know, not starting Polanco at this point. And, uh, that would be a nice, a nice payoff for them. So, well, we've got to head into the first break. When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the performances from Thursday's games, and a lot of people want to know about Jason Vargas, so we will lead off with him right when we come back. Sincata and Angle, weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. Eastern, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen at fntsy.com radio and download the Fantasy Sports Radio app on your iOS and Android device. Welcome back, everybody, to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Alan Melchior, and with me today from CTM Baseball, Matt Mudika. Matt uh, has a lot of great analysis of pitchers, and uh, we've got a lot of pitchers to talk about, especially from Thursday's game, some interesting performances, some surprising performances. And a little bit later on the show, we're going to talk about some pitchers, not necessarily ones that pitched yesterday, but have uh, been surprisingly solid over the first couple of weeks. And uh, Matt, uh, see if you think uh, any of these those uh, guys are, are possibly legit for the longer run. But uh, before we dig into any of that, quick word first on the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a roto scientist. They help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, which is powered by InsideInjuries.com. Get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout to get a special discount. All right, Matt. So uh, the big name on the streets today, it would seem, uh, based on the questions I'm getting, what I'm seeing all over Twitter, Jason Vargas, and, and understandably so, uh, against the A's, a seven and two-thirds inning, a scoreless performance, just four hits, just one walk. Big, the good control is not a, a big surprise from Vargas, but eight strikeouts. So a little bit more than a strikeout per inning for Jason Vargas. That's really two good starts in a row for him. And we got a question from uh, 
at Joe Nance. And he wants to know, is Vargas for real? The changeup seems legit. What say you? It's hard to say if he's for real in the long run. Uh, it's very impressive, these first two starts. I think he's got like 14 strikeouts to two walks. Uh, the first, like you say, the control has always been there for him. Uh, the, the first pitch strike after this very, very small sample is almost like 70%. The encouraging thing is the swinging strike percentage is like 13%. Only two starts. He's a guy that, you know, very deep, uh, learned a two-seamer, so that's helping him against the right-handed uh, batters. And, you know, he's somebody that in a deeper league, yes, I'm interested. It's more of the 15-teamer. You know, AL only, he's, he should be gone. I mean, I lost out of him in my reserve round, so he shouldn't even be available. But if he is, I would, you know, be, be aggressive in, in that format. Yeah, I would too. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, probably not for long, probably with each passing minute. It'll be more and more difficult to get Vargas in that sort of format. But coming off uh, not too long ago, the Tommy John surgery and, and Vargas typically being, the, you know, sort of a pitch to contact type who relied on some fly ball outs and, and a lack of walks for his his value. I wouldn't be surprised if he was still sticking around in some 15-team mixed leagues. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got the question there about the changeup. And that really just does seem to be key for, uh, for Vargas so far. A, a 71.4% ground ball right now. This is according to the pitch FX data on fan graphs. 71.4% ground ball rate on the changeup as opposed to his career rate of 47.0%. And you mentioned the swinging strikes, Matt. Uh, career rate on the changeup for Vargas, 18.4% so far. 30.8%. Now, when I put those two things together, that you're getting more whiffs on a pitch uh, and more ground balls, that's something that you know typically doesn't really uh, – they don't often go together. So I wanted to get a clue about what might be going on there by going uh, to Baseball Savant and looking up the, um, the spin rate. And the spin rate is virtually unchanged on the changeup. So it didn't really give me a clue in terms of, you know, if there's a trade-off there, which way it's going to go. So, yeah, it's a small sample. We see crazy things, both with whiff rates and with uh, batted ball stats over well, small samples. Well, the one so, thing I will yeah. say, especially like in the 15-teamer, is even if you don't believe in him or you're not sure, if you want to get him, this weekend's the time to get him because there are going to be people who are going to take that leap of faith. Of course, you know, Looking at what's out there on the waiver wire, there's not much. He pitches in a ballpark that suppresses home runs. So, you know, I, I think if you're interested, this is the time. You you can't wait to see the next start. Yeah, no, I think you're right in that format. And, and I, you know, I'm glad you couched it the way that you did, Matt, because I did get a question uh, not long before the show, uh, somebody asking about picking him up in a 12-team league. And I said, no, it's, it's premature. And, uh, the response I got, he seemed like maybe he's a little incredulous, or not incredulous, but just concerned because he said, well, you know, he, he's probably not going to stick around. And he may be right, even in a 12-teamer. I just still think, uh, you know, two starts for me is not enough unless there's just somebody on your roster you really don't mind letting go of. But, in a, you know, in a 12-teamer, that's not always that's not always the case. Yeah, unless there's like a middle reliever that you – you don't need to have and you want you really believe in it and you want to take a shot then that's fine but i agree with you uh, jason vargas isn't someone that i'm gonna go all in after two starts 
Yeah, and yeah, I could probably if I if I worked hard enough at it, I could probably come up with a lot of different examples of pitchers who just look completely remade after two starts or, or even four or five. But the one that that popped up for me just now is Erasmo Ramirez. Do you remember? I think it was two years ago when all of a sudden he was getting like sixteen percent whiffs over like a, a five or six start span and. Yeah, wasn't uh, yeah. that when he like first started out? He was terrible, like the first day, and then he just yeah. had like everybody was. I remember like Twitter went like crazy. They were calling him all sorts of names, and then all of a sudden he went on that run. So, well, here's a case: another pitcher who's making some waves, but a little bit of a different career trajectory, and that's Jimmy Nelson, who came up with a lot of fanfare, never really lived up to it, and it's been long enough since then that I think people. Really didn't think much of him, but yet you know, he's been very good now over two starts. Most recently at the Reds yesterday, seven innings, five hits, one run, no walks. So that's a, a, a big uh, change for Nelson. And five strikeouts. So, uh, you know, not a, a big strikeout total there, but, you know, the, the overall body of work in the two starts this year for Jimmy Nelson, pretty impressive. Uh, are you more inclined to go after him and say a 12-teamer because – you know, a few years back, it did look like he had some upside. Well, he's a guy I'm happy we're talking about. Uh, I've been pretty much talking about him all week, anticipating uh, last night's start. And last Sunday night in my NFBC leagues, he's a guy that I aggressively went after. I didn't have to pay a lot of money for him, but I did acquire him on multiple teams. Now, once again, this is a little bit of a leap of faith here, because Jimmy Nelson at one point, you know, he had to buzz around him. He was going to take that next step. And he stumbled and fell multiple times. But over in spring training, before, before spring training, he was pretty much a guy I had zero interest in. Then I heard he was uh, working on the split change again. He struck out like 17 batters, walked two over the course of spring training. And then came out of the gates with a very nice start. So being what I saw was out there, he was the most appealing one. I was willing to give him a – I put him in my lineups versus Cincinnati. That paid off. And the one thing I will say is it's guys like Jimmy Nelson that I'm willing to take a shot on him. But if it goes back to the old Jimmy Nelson, you've got to be willing to cut bait and cut bait immediately. That's the danger we get into when we see these guys have a couple of good starts. We think it's going to automatically continue, and that's just one bad start. But I do have, I do have some hope for Jimmy Nelson. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And uh, like I said, you know, he's young enough that I think he can still – you know, recapture some of that upside that we we saw in him, uh, you know, not not so long ago. Now, um, I'm looking at the schedule for next week. He is projected as a two-start pitcher, but he's got the Cubs at Wrigley and a home start against the Cardinals. So this is a really nice test to see how much faith we have in Jimmy Nelson. You couple know, of potentially difficult matchups, yeah. That is, that is definitely going to be a test, and I'm going to have to look at my uh, – my staffs and my leagues because, you know, like you said, he's going up against the Cubs. The one thing that is intriguing about him, has always been intriguing about him, and the reason I, I am giving him the leap of faith right now is he's always been around 50% ground ball rate. So that's a good thing. It's just can he solve left-handed hitters? That's the major issue. Yeah, no, that's always been the big thing for him, uh, you know, similar to Charlie Morton and, and, you know, looking to see if he can – sustained some success against uh, left-handed hitters, uh, you know, uh, after getting off to a good start this year. So let's uh, take a look at some of the other standout performances. Luis Severino, definitely a standout performance there. Seven innings pitched, 
five hits, two runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts. But here comes the caveat versus the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think I've already talked about once or twice since the start of the season how the Rays could be a really good matchup. So do you think this is matchup-driven, or do you think Severino is finally arriving? I think he's making some strides. Uh, the, the key for him is going to be if he could develop the changeup into a decent pitch. I mean, not even a great pitch. I've been a little skeptical on the fact that if can he become a uh, starting pitcher. I, and I've stated the Yankees are doing the right thing because they need to see if he can be. And in, with, with the current uh, roster conformance that they have, this is exactly what the Yankees need. If he becomes, if he shows in 2017 that he is a, a major league starting pitcher, that's a huge success for the New York Yankees. So he's somebody I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take chances on right now. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's the thing. If it's matchup driven, uh, or let me put this a different way. If, if he really has arrived, then you know, he's going to take advantage of the good matchups. And, uh, you know, but then beyond that. So uh, certainly fancy owners hope you're correct about that. Chad Cool, nice start against the uh, Red Sox in Boston. Six innings, five hits, just one run allowed. Also no walks. A lot of good control uh, from the pitchers yesterday. And six strikeouts from Chad Cool. So is he more than just a, you know, occasional two-start streamer with good matchups? Uh, yeah, I think he's still in that. Look, he's still in that phase where I, I want to have him as a matchup guy. Yesterday was really good. Uh, deeper leagues, he should be owned, I, I think, without a doubt. It's, you know, the first start, I think he walked five batters yesterday. He walked zero, and it was in Fenway. His home park is a plus for him. And somebody for now, he's still, like I said, he should be rostered in deeper leagues, but he's still, to me, the matchup guy. He does have a little upside. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, take a look at one more pitcher. Uh from yesterday, mm-hmm. and you talked about matchups. Brett Anderson against the Dodgers. So the, the Dodgers at this point, they've really built up a lot of notoriety for not doing well against left-handed pitchers. Anderson uh, took advantage, five innings, a scoreless ball, three hits, four walks, uh, and only two Ks, but overall a good result from Anderson. So is this just simply a, a great matchup for Anderson, or is there something more there? Well, the one reason I drafted Anderson in, like, say, reserve rounds is the fact that he's a starting pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. And, <laughs> I mean, Anderson has had talent in the past. He's never been able to stay healthy. The, and as you said, the Dodgers are notoriously bad against left-handed pitching, and uh, Freeland kind of shut them down last Friday. This is what you're going to get from Brett Anderson pretty much, is five innings. You're lucky if you get six. He's, he's a tough guy. He should not be owned in any 12-team leagues. It's a 15-team league. Hope you get five innings and grab a win. You're not going to get many strikeouts. Hopefully he won't walk four guys. But, you know, that's, that's my take on Brett Anderson. Take him for a while you have right. him now. Keep an eye on Mike Montgomery. And that's Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's good advice. And uh, I want to come back to this Dodgers matchup issue. We got a head to break, so a little bit more Dodger talk, uh, some standout hitters to talk about, and then some other pitchers uh, who have performed well this season. All of that right when we come back. Welcome back, everyone, to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today, 
also from uh, Fantasy Sports Radio that you are currently listening to, and CTM Baseball, Matt Modica. And Matt is the uh, author of the Starting Pitcher Index, so looking to pick his brain this segment and talk about a few pitchers who are off to really good starts. So um, we're going to talk about some hitters in between too, Matt, but I I do want to kind of put a bow on a conversation we had just before the break where we were talking about Brett Anderson uh, against his former team, the Dodgers. Now the Dodgers just uh, don't seem to uh, do well at all against left-handed starting pitchers. There's there's a a two-star pitcher next week that I just find intriguing and, and puzzling and that's Robbie Ray, because Robbie Ray is going to face the Dodgers twice. And I put out a poll a couple of days ago asking people, uh, would you start him with these two starts? And uh, the results were overwhelmingly yes, which I pretty much expected because people are, you know, they're on to the matchup uh, issues with the Dodgers. But, you know, Ray gets a lot of strikeouts, but he still has not really been reliable. Too many walks, occasionally prone to the long ball. And the Dodgers up to this point, are the most selective team hitting-wise in the major leagues, lowest swing rate on pitches outside the zone. So do you think that's enough to sit uh, Robbie Ray in week three, or you think he'll just work around the walks and, and be terrific? I don't know if he's going to be terrific, but it's hard to sit him with the strikeouts. I mean, he has eight walks on the season. Him and Darvish uh, a day or two ago were tied for the lead. And, you know, the strikeouts are just so appealing. The problem with Robbie Ray is he doesn't command his pitches, and that's where the hard hit rate kind of gets him. And once he can come to that, I think he has the stuff. I mean, he's still, what, 25 years old. It's it's someone that it's the potential that is so alluring. But going up against the Dodgers, like you say, they struggle so mightily. They brought in uh, Logan Forsythe kind of help solve that issue and that still hasn't really uh worked out for them yet so i would roll out robbie ray yeah uh i would too and even though it probably seems like a, a trivial aspect to the matchup i think with franklin gutierrez on the dl actually makes that choice a little bit easier because that's just one more bat that could be very very dangerous against the lefty but uh on the DL, and I know he won't be there for the first game, and I'm not even sure that he would be uh, available for the second start. But look, before we get back to some more pitchers, Matt, uh, just a few hitters with notable performances from, from Thursday that uh, want to get your take on. Michael Brantley, a two-hit game, two for five, with his first home run of the year, but overall not a terrific start for Brantley, a 241 batting average, and that home run, by the way, uh, against the White Sox. So uh, too early to make any judgments on Brantley. Uh, feeling a little impatient. Uh, how, how are you feeling about him? I mean, if you if you if you drafted Brantley, you got him. You got him at a nice discount, and I think you have to hold on to him. I stayed away because I mean the multiple shoulder uh, surgeries just scared me. I mean the, the guy when he before that was a very valuable fantasy asset. So if you got him at the discount, I think you could put him on your bench. And see what happens. Uh, the Indians do need him. So if he's healthy enough to play, I mean, I was just very suspect if the power could even come back right now, how, how that was going to translate and stuff. So for me, I don't own him. But if you do, I, I, I'd have him on your bench. All right. Well, if you've got Brantley on your bench, would you use that open spot for either Avisail Garcia, who went three for four with three RBIs against the Indians, or Aaron Hicks, who had a two home run game versus the Rays? 
Well, it would be uh, Avisel Garcia. I mean, he's the guy that's playing every day for them. The White Sox are in a situation where, you know, they're in the same city as the Cubs. They have good young talent. They made some really good trades. I think some more are coming. So all the young talent is going to play. Uh, Garcia has, I mean, he's been one of the top players. He's like on pretty much every leaderboard right now, whether it's ISO, WOBA, runs created. But... The, the 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 good thing with uh, Garcia is the ground ball to fly ball rate has it's down to one pretty much now. His whole career has been pretty much around two or higher, which is awful for a guy like him. You know, you want like Billy Hamilton to have that. But that's the good news. The bad news, if we're gonna damper anything, is the hard hit rate is like in like the mid twenties, which it's kind of surprising. Yeah, I, I think we have to put a little, you know, asterisk or disclaimer on, on, you know, all these types of stats because it's, we're still working with small samples and, and especially uh, with that hard hit rate. I mean, you'd like to see that above 30, but one or two games would probably take that over 30. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, the radical change in the ground ball rate is something I think we can take more seriously in, in a small sample. And you're right. That's a great sign because that's the, the what if statement that uh, a lot of people have been making about Garcia over the years, the last few years is, you know, if only he would just, you know, lift the ball a little more often, uh, you might have something there. And uh, on the, the negative side, Greg Bird, another bad outing, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. So his batting average is now down to 0-5-0. Uh, I mean, you think it's just the, um, you know, the flu and the injury uh, just taking a toll on him? Or do you think uh, Bird possibly just, you know, isn't, uh, isn't really ready yet? No, I mean, I think now is his time. I mean, he went late. Like Guys like him and Tommy Joseph, everybody was kind of like banking on if they, if they missed out on first baseman or they wanted a power corner. But this just goes to show you, look, they're both off to bad starts. The thing that helps Greg Bird is he had the ankle injury. He suffered the flu. I mean, I think he struck out in 10 of 23 uh, plate appearances, which is awful. But he is going to get the chance to be the Yankees' first baseman on an everyday basis. That park is tailor-made for him. So for Greg Bird, like I said, if you want to bench him, if you drafted him, put him on your bench if you're that uncomfortable. I wouldn't I wouldn't cut him just yet. I know a lot of people are thinking about that, or at least people who are asking me questions. Yeah, the, the fantasy community is a fickle bunch. The patience are, is, yeah. you know, something <laughs> that many do not have. Yeah, I, you know, for a more borderline player, I could see it, but uh, I don't consider Bird to be borderline at this point. So, uh, well, let's uh, take a look at a few pitchers who have been on the upswing for the first week and a half here. Michael Fulmer, a um, little bit different than some of the others in this group because, of course, he's coming off of a, a great season, one that was good enough to win him AL Rookie of the Year, uh, but really a, a sensational start. Uh, I think it was uh, Wednesday. So uh, do you think Fulmer can build on what he did last year? Because a lot of people, including me, saw him as a regression candidate. Yeah, I don't own zero uh, shares. It's not that I think that he's a bad pitcher. I think he's more of, like, say, a mid-350s, which, I mean, isn't bad, even if he's a little higher than that. I just don't think the strikeouts are really going to be. Like when he first came up, that first month was, you know, historical. He didn't allow a run in, like, 30 innings. But we saw as the season went on, the the second half was not nearly as good. The strikeout rate plummeted. 
So that's my thing with him. I think he's a good pitcher. I think maybe people see the rookie of the year. They remember that first month and are a little more excited about that. The first outing he had this year, he basically faced the the, the Red Sox, you know, like triple-A lineup. That was, you know, everybody had the flu and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Willie Peralta is uh, becoming a fan favorite, off to a good start. And you could kind of build a trend there because you look at the end of last season, last two months or so, and Peralta getting swings and misses at a higher rate than he had typically what do you think about him this year? Is he uh, still somebody to target, say, in the 12-team mixed league? In a 12-team, I'm going to have a little bit of a hard time. I mean, even in a 15-team, I would roster him, but I'm having a hard time starting him, put, actually putting him in my lineup. Like you said, from last season and then even this season, I mean, he, he has the velo. That's there. But is he really – I mean, can you really trust him? I really think his – his end game for him is as possibly a dominant reliever down the line. Well, that's, uh, I guess that's only good news in the fact that there's not a lot of closer candidates beyond uh, Neftali Feliz in the uh, <laughs> Brewers bullpen. But yeah, I would say that's, that's not, uh, that's not the optimistic, optimistic outlook I was looking for as a Peralta owner, but well, you know, I that's, mean, that's look, I, I mean, to, to there is things to be optimistic about, but I just, maybe it's just, <laughs> I've, I've seen too much. Now uh, let's go even a little bit deeper in terms of ownership rate and, and uh, interest up to this point. Antonio Senzatella, fifth starter for the Rockies. Uh, pretty much almost any time we talk about a Rocky starter with now, I think the exception of John Gray and maybe even occasionally then, you know, we, we put out the disclaimers about the uh, course effect and all that, but Sensatella has been uh, sensational. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself there. But, um, you know, is there something legit there? You know, I'm not sure if it's legit, but he's gotten everybody's uh, attention. And somebody that, you know, in the 12-team format, I'm still hesitant. You know, like you said, he's going to start half his games in Colorado so I haven't seen enough. I don't know enough, to be honest. But from what I've seen, it is definitely intriguing. A 15-teamer, I would take a flyer on him. Uh, some people did last week, and if they haven't, this is the week to get him if you, if you, if you want to see what he can become. But I, I still need to see a little more. It's very positive of what he has done so far, though. Now, we've seen a lot of Derek Holland over the years. Of course, we've also seen a lot of DL time. But uh, a good outing on Wednesday for Holland. Uh, do you think he's uh, back to what would have been his peak levels uh, several years back? And, uh, you know, if so, what's his status in the 12-team mixer? Yeah, for me, it's he's a guy that I, right now, I'm, I'm not invested in, in the 12-team mixer. I, I know that he allowed, like, one hit the other day. And that's great. And it's good to see for him. You know, he's he's had to make comebacks and stuff. But, I mean, that team isn't really good. The, I mean, the Derek Holland, the thing that scares me with guys like this is you get a good start or maybe two, and then you put them in your lineup and your ratios get wrecked. Yeah, well, that's definitely uh, a risk with Holland. And, uh, you know, not somebody you think even at his best you expect to be a strikeout pitcher. So there's always that, that margin of error, you know, that you have to work with there uh, when you're allowing contact. So, uh, well, Matt, thank you for uh, your your insight into those pitchers. 
Uh, we've got a couple other questions that we'll get to from the Twitter world. And I put out a couple of Twitter polls and interested to think uh, or interested to see rather what your response is, uh, Matt. So we're going to take a look at those things right after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melfior, and with me for this whole show, including this final segment, is Matt Modica of CTM Baseball and also of uh, Fantasy Sports Radio. And, uh, Matt, you ready to uh, head over to Twitter? Got a couple of questions there to, to answer. Sure. All right. So, uh, at TejasXB wants to know our thoughts on starting Andrew Triggs. Now, I don't know if he means just in general or next week, but I think next week's a good good uh, place to start because it is a two-start, uh, projected two-start week for Triggs. He'll uh, have the Rangers at home. And um, pardon me while I uh, find that second one. Oh, the, uh, the yep. Mariners at home. So uh, what do you think about Triggs? What do you think about those matchups? And while I'm piling on, what do you think about the long-term outlook for Andrew Triggs? Uh, I'll start with the long term first. Uh, Triggs is a guy that I uh, looked at in my reserve rounds. I scooped him up. I do like him, but he, for me, he's you know more of the matchup guy. If you can play the matchups with him, uh, his first two starts have gone very well. But you know you got to look at what's happened over those two starts. Once again, you know all we have is those two starts to base it off. But it's basically four walks, four strikeouts. Um, I think he's got like a 92% left on base. So And, and the Babbitt was like down to 200. So he's been getting lucky, but he does pitch in a good park. Against Texas, I'm, you know, these matchups to me aren't the greatest. I still believe Seattle is a team that's going to play much better. And once their bats truly wake up, you know, they will be, they will be cont- I'm not saying they're going to win the West, but they'll be a team that's going to be contending with Houston and Texas. Yeah, and I agree agree with that. I think they've got a real bullpen problem there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think the offense will be good. I think the the starting pitching will uh, will come around for Seattle, and if they ever you know get Drew Smiley back, uh, you know, at a reasonable time, I think that would help too. Now, uh, the thing with Triggs, uh, you know, I want to kind of dig into the the matchup situation with him more because you said he's he's more of a matchups guy. Um, I mean, he's not a fly ball pitcher. But I do think that he's been impacted by his matchups to date. The, the most recent start was against the Royals. And, I mean, they're not the, um, you know, sort of death to strikeouts team that they were a couple of seasons ago. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, Triggs only came away with three strikeouts in six innings in that start. And then the prior start, uh, I believe, was against the Angels. I'm just looking that up now just to confirm. But uh, the Angels are a team. That doesn't strike out a whole lot. And, yes, that was against the Angels. And in that game, uh, Triggs only got one strikeout. So the the, the Royals are, are an aggressive hitting team. I mean, I think there's the potential for them maybe to just make, make a lot of contact and, and not strike out a lot. The Rangers and the Mariners, I think those teams could give Triggs a, a surprising number of strikeouts. I and, and he gets the two home starts. So I even though Triggs isn't that widely owned, I think he's – I think he's must start this coming week. Yeah, no, I, I will agree with that, especially like in the deep league. If you have him, you got this two start week at home. Is you know, I mean, the, the Oakland guys at home are very appealing. So if you have him, you you have him on your roster. Being that it's at O.co, he should be in the lineup. Yeah, and um, 
you know, he's the bad I see. I, I would use probably pretty frequently with two starts as the season goes on. But we, we have sort of a limited track record with him as a starter, so obviously that could change. But as of right now, I you know I'd want to keep him stashed. So um, you know, forever that's worth. I hope that's helpful. Uh, Tejas XB. Uh, we have got a we've got another question here from at Mikey 42 Is now the time to pick on or pick up or pick on? Yohan uh, Mogata, uh, what impact do we expect him to have in real baseball and in fantasy? And what level of outfielder, I guess uh, he's got some outfield surplus, what level of outfielder would you drop and then the, the options he offers? Benintendi, Brantley, who we talked about earlier, Corey Dickerson, or Mitch Haniger? Uh, so several questions there. Is now the time to pick up Moncada or can we wait? I would say yes, now is the time. And the reason being is, as I mentioned, the White Sox – are in the rebuild mode. They need people to come out to guaranteed rate field. And right now, you're, you're going to see these young kids play. Mankato, however, they have to work the, uh, you know, maybe give them a month. But I, I think the problem is the one alarming thing with Mankato is the strikeout percentage in the minors is over 30%. It was last year, this year. But I think on speed alone, he's going to be a a major asset for you and say if he hits eight to ten home runs and can steal 30 bases you know that's something that us fantasy players like yeah now he did ask ask us about real baseball too is this uh is Mokata the sort of player that you think might have more or less of an impact uh for the white Sox than for us fantasy owners i think he's really going to help the white Sox. Uh, I mean, I think there's been stories about that. Maybe the attitude, or he's a, a little immature. Hey, look, he's he he came over. It, it definitely had to be a, a a major adjustment. He got a lot of money at a very young age, but this is, I mean, just on raw talent alone, this is an impactful player. And as much as you know, it's so difficult to trade a Chris Sale. What they got back is. Him and Michael Kopech. I mean, Kopech is possibly the American League version of the next Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. Yeah, no, they got a great haul. I mean, I don't think there's any any question about that. And in terms of making room for Moncada, uh, again, he gave us a few outfield options. Andrew Benintendi, Michael Brantley, Corey Dickerson, Mitch Haniger. Out of that group, which, and it could be more than one, uh, which would you drop to make room for Moncada? Well, I'll make one statement. The one guy that should definitely not be dropped out of that group is Andrew Benetini. Every, all his skill sets are just showing that the skills are there. It, you know, it hasn't, you know, it's only two weeks, 10 games, whatever we've played. But that's the one guy that should definitely not be dropped. I'm still a little suspect on the Michael Brantley, but due to his track record, maybe I keep him. I mean, maybe it comes down to a Corey Dickerson, which he's more of the power guy for me. Mitch Hanniger can possibly, I mean, he's like the PCL legend that, Kind of did it at age 26, so I've been a little suspect on him, but he's running, he's hitting extra base hits, a couple of homers. So maybe Corey Dickinson's the guy that I let go here for Yohan Mankata. Uh I would not drop any of them, which means that maybe I'm not getting Moncada in a, in a 12-team mixer because uh, I, I like Dickerson as a comeback player mm-hmm. this year. I uh, love the upside of Haniger. I do worry a bit about the batting average, which is – a bit down right now and may not get back up if he continues to hit a lot of fly balls, but those fly balls are going to probably produce a lot of power. And I like the power speed combination. So I'd, I'd rather take the more sure thing in each of those four players than, 
you know, the, the question mark that Moncada could be this year and, uh, you know, wondering how much of that upside he's actually going to be able to achieve in, in 2017. So for, for whatever, uh, you know, you, you get a, a range of opinions here, but uh, I, I would be much more reluctant to pick up Mokata if it meant dropping any of those players. Yeah, I'm just extreme, so that, I'm, I'm just extremely high on him. I, I think he's going to be up in the next month, and I, I do think he's going to be, be an impactful player. All right, well, we got a couple of minutes left, so let's wind up with a couple of Twitter polls that I put out. And these were inspired by uh, some of the research I did for the matchup report that I publish every every Friday uh, on my blog, almelkier.com. Uh, and uh, so we've got a hitter pairing and a pitcher pairing. And the, the hitter pairing, I asked, who would you rather start in week three in a three outfielder league? Because I think these are both players that you might sit in that format. Adam Duvall or Yasiel Puig. And um, let's see what you think before I, I uh, tell you what the results are so far. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Puig uh, only for the fact that I think he's got a bunch of lefties uh, facing him. I think he finishes up next weekend in Arizona. Yep, but, starts and finishes in Arizona with two games, of course. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to go with him. But, I mean, if you look at the home runs that he hit and the extra base hits, it was pretty much off of like Jared Weaver, Christian Betancourt, somebody else, and maybe like one good pitcher. So I'm still suspect on Puig. I'm not buying into everything. But due to the upcoming schedule, I'll roll the dice on Puig there. Well, you are in the majority in the majority, uh, Puig is leading 65 to 35 percent. Duval does have a, a home schedule: uh, three against Baltimore, three against the Cubs, uh, and uh, we got uh, at who's underscore hat who replied: "People are crazy. Duval at home in Great American Small Park is the way to go." So uh, he, somebody you know, believes he, in Duval. he might be right, but I'm going to take the gamble on Puig. <laughs> see if he can t- continue with the hot start. All right, we got a couple of one-start pitchers. Uh, one a little bit more consistent than the other, I think. We got Marco Estrada at the Angels versus, in this poll, versus Michael Pineda at the Pirates. Who you got? Well, if you're not going to start Michael Pineda at Pittsburgh, then, you know, I mean, that's just, for me, that's a dream matchup for him in that park. I'm more worried about Pineda's start on Sunday night. I mean, he, he typically will be... You know, anytime he's lights out, the next outing is usually like a disaster. So, but he, I, I think you have to start Pineda. I think uh, Estrada is starting to pitch to his FIP. All right. Well, and again, in the majority, Pineda with 68% of the vote there. So, Matt, thank you so much for all your insight. And uh, go check out CTM Baseball for tons of great pitching information. Uh, we will be back on Sunday. Uh, so uh, be sure to join us then. And uh, coming up next is the Pat Mayo Hour. Thanks again for uh, joining us for this show. And uh, have a great weekend and good luck in week three. Thanks for having me, Al. Yeah, my pleasure, Matt.